actually you get discounted show floor space. And what is changing the name to Chad Electronics? <laughs> Inconclusive. Uh, we're still we're still working on that. So, Ben, Chad, welcome to Floor 9, live at CES. Hi. Hi. All right. The enthusiasm. I love it. Okay. <laughs> it's been a long week. Um, so, I would love to start from the both of you. Just kind of talking about, you know, what were your two favorite things that you have seen on the show floor this year? Uh, ben, we'll, we'll start with you. I know you've been leading a lot of tours. You've seen a lot. What, what resonated with you? All right, I got two. I got one from Sands Upper and another one from the LVCC. My favorite thing, it's a repeat from last year, but I really like it. Uh, WaterGen was there showing off their uh, water filtration system that takes water out of the humidity in the air and filters it twice to create uh, potable drinking water, which is a really great tool to create access to potable drinking water in areas that are underserved. Uh, they also had a smaller version that you could set up in an office or on a campus. Um, so my running joke at CES when we walk past is I asked the, the tour, do you want to know what CES tastes like? <laughs> <laughs> and they can go ahead and, and taste some for themselves. Uh, my other favorite one from the LVCC is a product that is, uh, it's actually a concept, it's not actually shipping, uh, but it's something that I desperately need, which is Nissan's Pro Pilot Golf Ball. Oh, okay. It does not, this, this doesn't count. Neither does the first one, because the first one is a repeat, so Ben's going to have to dig deep. You should, talk about, you should talk about the golf ball. I love the golf ball, in spite of what Chad says. Um Basically, it's a proof of concept to show their lane assist technology. It's a demonstration of tech. It's a technology statement. It's a technology statement articulated as a demonstration. Let's be really clear. Let's order, be really clear. Nissan's to, not getting in the golf game. In order to prove a concept. Of yeah, to demonstrate a concept. It's a, complicated, it's a complicated technology, but most people right. understand it because of the fact that people can't putt a golf ball. Or they, they all understand the frustration of putting a golf ball. I'm making you work. You're not done. <laughs> the watch continues. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Nissan's Pro Pilot Golf Ball is a demonstration of their lane assist technology that basically they were showing on the show floor and you uh, put the ball and it automatically reroutes itself and drives directly to the hole. So no more two putts, no more three putts. Something that I would love to have in my golf game. Chad. What about what, what about yourself? I'm still waiting for the next, the other technology that is a 2020. <laughs> I'm still waiting. I had, these, I had those two queued up. I know. That's exactly. why don't you go and I'll think about it. Okay, you owe us one. So I had, I had, I was very, I was very unenthused at CES this year. I really okay. did feel like um, this was very much a repeat of last year. Not necessarily a repeat, but I felt that a lot of the booth spaces and the exhibits were very similar to last year. And I also think last year they were similar to the year before. So I think CS just frankly is just getting a little too big. Okay. I feel like it is too much of a risk to make an investment in making announcements at a show because you never know what else is going to happen. But the two things that I walked away from 
was the first one was Royale, okay. uh, which is a big display manufacturer, big OEM. It's not a brand that any consumer would know. But for the first time, I think we really started to see the future of flexible displays and displays that can actually really bend and really wrap. And they had a couple of uh, proof of concept uh, just demonstrations, like some smart speakers and stuff. But I will say the part about it is, is that, and I don't know, I mean, I would like to ba- you know bounce this off Adam, is that for the first time, I kind of felt like we were living in science fiction when I saw something like that. Like when you see something like that with a really, really rich color and deep blacks, it just felt like it, it felt real. It didn't feel like something, you know, it's just, it's just, it just felt like the future, the future of things. Okay. And then the second thing, which is also a display, what's funny is, is that you walk around the LVCC and there's always somebody trying to show you some sort of transparent display or something like that. And you look at it and you're like, oh, I get it. It's a transparent display. And it's like some shitty demo or something like that. Like, like uh, I think Sharp, actually Sharp had a nice one with the goldfish. Mm-hmm. But if you went into the Oral-B booth, Right next to this gigantic toothbrush demonstration for some like really cool future toothbrush, they were using this transparent display and it was like magical. It was so nice. And I look at that and I just say, that is the future of retail signage. That is the future of retail windows. That is the future of out of home signage and transportation signage. So I was really impressed by that. And mm-hmm. so it was those two things, both display technologies, that gave me the sense that we're kind of moving towards this very interesting future in, from uh, entertainment and display and signage mm-hmm. and stuff. And so, so I'm, I'm, I have a question for you about the flexible displays. Do you, do you think that innovation of being able to now fold your phone in half like the old Motorola Razor is going to be something that's going to be kind of like a next gen like shift in technology like is it going to be or is it going to be more of like a novelty I I, I think I think I think folding phones and all that stuff is kind of stupid like frankly I would like (laughs) like there is a Microsoft demo of the future of work Microsoft used to do these like forward looking pieces and there's this really great one like anybody listening to this just do like Microsoft concept video airport and you will see Microsoft's vision as to what a foldable really should be and it's not necessarily a foldable, it should be a parent and daughter device. And the general idea of this type of philosophy was that you might have a device that has two screens and they separate. And the idea would be that you could take one hand off and that's the camera and this is what you're looking at, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, little things like that. Or you could use one and a sensor on it to then get data from something else. So I believe that, I don't think foldable, I think foldables are demonstrated as phones and tablets because that's what we use every day and even computers because that's what we use every day and that's what gets us excited. Nobody wants to see a display folded around a lamp, right? That doesn't get anybody excited. But when all of a sudden, like everyday objects start integrating screens, then those then those objects start to get exciting again. I don't know. That's just just my the way I, I'm thinking about these things. You know, okay. when you can bend a screen, you can wrap a screen around something the same way that you can wrap vinyl or wrap any other material around it. I think things get really really cool. Well, that, I mean, I think that's the uh, inspiration that we like to see at CES right there. Even though you, you, you're kind of saying that you're a bit um, disappointed, it feels like we, we, we found something that was, uh, you know, kind of like what CES is, is, is meant to be right there. Yeah, a little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. Um, so for, for both of you, you know, I guess what was the biggest surprise of the show? You know, there was a lot that was announced. Like, was there anything that really stood out? I was like, wow, I, didn't, I just didn't see this coming at all. We were talking in our scouting process about how <laughs> all the booths are in the same spot. <laughs> Every, it's it's just an evolution of things that we saw in previous years. Um, Adam and Christina already mentioned the Sony car. That was, um, that was, I guess, a, a big surprise. I guess, you know, I, something that was probably in retrospect should have been uh, expected by us because we've seen the growth of the 
uh, quote unquote United Nations sections of Eureka Park. But I was actually really surprised by the just sheer amount of countries that are represented down there and how much floor space they cover. I mean, I guess two or three years ago is when we first saw this trend and it was basically like French tech and maybe two others. And then the following year, it was up to five. And then honestly, going down there this year, we went to deep, dark corners of the downstairs <laughs> the sands that we normally don't even go to. But there were really interesting um startups and tech and tech that was being featured down there uh from all different countries it seemed like everything was represented uh my biggest surprises were what i didn't see i know that adam was talking about this a little bit earlier i expected to walk into a gigantic uh sponsored venues by t-mobile and mm. at&t sprint and verizon i expected everything to be 5g 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 just to just bang it out there and to make your standard claims showing maps claiming millimeter wave rollout was going to be the new the new statistic and all the sort of stuff i mean 5g is just an evolution consumers aren't going to be able to choose oh uh, you know i'm going to stick with my lte 5g is the evolution but i'm actually really surprised that every carrier like was absent and it was almost as if they planned that. And they said, hey, guys, let's save our money so we can fight it later. You know, we'll, fight, <laughs> we'll fight it. You know, And it's not like, it's not like they're going to make a big impact at um, Mobile World Congress because right. it's a European show. But I thought that was really weird. The second thing is, is that I felt the show floor space was a little bit smaller because there was a lack of China. And this mm -hmm. is a trend that we've been seeing since the Trump administration, especially with all the talks about tariffs, is that there's always this uncertainty. And so maybe there is a lack of investment from Chinese companies exhibiting at CES. Right. And so to quickly just like comment on 5G, you know, do you have any insight or thoughts on why maybe those, you know, larger telecom companies didn't actually have a big presence here? Do we think it's that because uh, there just isn't the infrastructure right now in the U.S. to really start hyping it up? Um, what do you kind of think is like, like maybe like the barrier uh, currently for that sort of presence? I'm just a big believer that there's nothing exciting about claiming like a less than 10% rollout across the United States. Like mm -hmm. shouting that you might have 9% of markets isn't something that you're going to really boast about. I think that's that. I think two, there's a lack of equipment that's affordable for people. And three, the Kingmaker has not anointed 5G as a new standard. The Kingmaker is Apple. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's all the speculation that Apple will release like, I think three 5G phones or two 5G phones this fall or something like that. And, you know, what is the case with Apple for good or for bad? Um, there's a lot of people who work really, really hard on standards that don't get adopted and then Apple adopts them and then everyone thinks Apple makes it. But what Apple does do is they open up a category for everybody to jump on. So I feel like once we start seeing a, net, a blanket of, of consistent 5G rollouts, unfortunately, they won't be the millimeter wave rollouts, which is what we really want because mm -hmm. of the latency. Um, I feel like I feel like it's going to be a story. It, it'll dominate a lot of like March, April advertising time and TV. So look for that during the playoffs of NBA. <laughs> I think a lot of the cell providers, too, it's probably fair to say that they set 2020 as a pretty aggressive goal for 5G rollout. And now that we're here, they're probably pretty disappointed with what they actually have mm -hmm. in market at this time. And, and, you know, something that I also think, you know, they had very aggressive plans and they had aggressive plans with an aggressive supplier. And that supplier was Huawei. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a good question for Adam. You know, mm -hmm. next time you get Adam on this, it's actually yeah. talk about that because, <laughs> because I really do believe that, you know, the Huawei rollout, you know, I mean, there were a lot of companies that were planning on doing a lot of work with Huawei and then yeah. they were told they're not allowed to work with Huawei anymore. Right. The, um, I mean, and that can all change. 
yeah. that could literally all change uh, in the next eight months about that. So um, we'll kind of table that for uh, another deeper conversation about 5G. Uh, but you know, as we think about the show, you know, uh, we asked Adam and Christmas as well. But you know, how do you see the show evolving? You know, it seems like it, it is getting bigger and bigger every single year. Chad, you always mentioned that you wish you kind of see it get smaller. Uh, ben, you were kind of saying that you know it's getting kind of maybe like it's been the same. So, like, how do you kind of see the show evolving as we see more and more presence from brands and technology companies, and you know, kind of everybody is really showing up to this show now. It's funny every year the. CES board will release kind of their wrap-up CES by the numbers. And I took a look going into this year and the past three years, attendance has fallen. It's gone down by about six or 7,000 attendees each year. And on the other hand, you have Las Vegas, which is investing heavily in this expansion at the convention center. Uh, so if anyone went to the North Hall this year, uh, or to the North Hall side of the convention center, there is a massive 1.8 million square foot extension that they're building onto the show floor, uh, which will effectively double the space at the convention center. So it's, uh, you know, there's, there's kind of this dichotomy that's happening. Noteworthy also that in their recap of CES by the numbers last year, uh, the, <laughs> the board made sure to mention that that the shrinking attendance size was a strategic move to ensure ease of transportation and <laughs> um, and efficiency of hotel rooms which sure I, I know a lot of brands that have products that they <laughs> that they like to sell to less people um, so I'm not sure if that's exactly true but it's certainly a massive uh, it's a good spin job um, so I mean it, it'll be interesting to see just uh, you know again who shows up and uh, and what they're showing up for. I think that the numbers that the you know that get put out are also a little bit misleading mm -hmm. because there are a tremendous amount of people who register and never go to the show floor but at the same time we have to think about the absolute influx of people that come to Las Vegas during CES so the real question about the CES numbers is are these CES attendees that are actually walking around the show floor or are these people who are in town for the week of uh, of the show so that's everything from you know, you have all of these brands and all of these brands bring it's, it's some, you know, a big technology company is flying 150 to 250 people out here of those 250 people that are here. There's 150 that are just working in hospitality suites and hospitality rooms and press rooms and doing this. They never see the show floor. Therefore, they don't need to register. They don't need a badge. So I feel like the show, the show continues to get bigger and bigger because unfortunately it's also turning a little bit into an attention show. And there's a lot of people here, frankly, who don't belong here. Like people come here because they just want, they feel like this is a time to actually make, you know, make some noise and, mm -hmm. and do some things. I think that's great, but we've seen what happened to South by Southwest. South by Southwest now is a great place for brands to talk to other brands. Mm -hmm. Like South by Southwest is kind of like every now and then there's something there that's interesting, but it's become more and more irrelevant. It's like, why not just go to the A&As and have an exhibit section about technology? And, and like, that, that's what we should do. So I don't, I don't know what the future of it is. I mm -hmm. really hope though, that it gets back to people who make things, who can then show them to people who will write about them and then people who will buy them because they want to retail them and then let the people who are suppliers and uh, you know all the everybody else that's in the ecosystem do it. I just what, what I really hope is that if those numbers are going down it's for people that don't have any relevancy here. Well, um, 
as we you know start to fly all two hundred thousand people back out of Vegas, um, how can our brands you know and our coworkers be thinking about everything that, that they learned this week, all the inspiration that they had, the new uh, technology they saw? Like, how can they bring this you know back to their companies and teams and actually really you know start to you know activate or or, or implement some of the things that they um, that they learned this week? I, I think a big thing is to separate the technology from separate what the technology is and why the technology is being proposed. So there's a TV that Samsung put out today. I think it was called the CISO TV, which is a TV that they're actually bringing it over from Korea. It's a TV that rotates with your phone. Yep. At first, it looks like this like gimmicky type of thing. But then you think about, like, I read a statistic the other day, and I could be way wrong where the research is really old, that 40% of video that's recorded now is all portrait mode video. So there's a generation that's actually getting a little bit older now and a little bit older and they have jobs and they have things like this and, you know, whatever. There's like a Snapchat generation out there <laughs> that like really enjoys things like that. There's at the same time, there's a TikTok generation. There's a generation of people who are watching portrait mode TV. And so there, I still know brands that don't do their assets in portrait mode. Like I'm just saying, it's like, it's just a wonderful way. The fact that you can actually look at somebody wants to make something, sh- try to sell it here, most likely take a loss on the product. Mm-hmm. But because there's a real consumer need for something, and so I think that you can look at a lot of other bits that a lot of our brand, a lot of our brands, as they walk through the CS floor, you know, they scratch their heads and they say that's stupid. But they should also say, why would somebody even make that? Is there a market for this that exists that I'm not thinking about? It's a nice way to just kind of like count, counter the way that you traditionally think. To that point. We had a fantastic play panel this morning, um, and one of the panelists on there was kind of talking about how he keeps himself creative and thinking outside of the box. And he actually goes to industry conferences and events and meetings that are not related to what he does at all. You know, to try and to to open his mind and think, you know, outside of maybe like his industry that is just you know focus on uh, maybe like a certain creative technology. So to your point, you know, it's like, like what can we do to kind of like expand our mindset and kind of get new uh, influences and inspiration into our daily lives from all different markets? Uh, I think is super beneficial. Yeah. yeah, Ben, what about yourself? I agree with Chad. I think separating the technology is really important. I think that. People come to CES for signals. You know, you're, we're, we're all here to see what the what these tech companies are announcing. Not necessarily for the products themselves, but for the type of consumer challenges that they've identified that they're going to try to solve for over the upcoming year. So, you know, if you are an automaker, then obviously we've seen a lot of electric on the show floor. If you are in healthcare, we've seen a lot of products that are geared towards accessibility. So it's really being able to just kind of read between the lines, looking beyond what's actually being announced and thinking about why it's there in the first place. Well said. Anything else that you saw on the show floor or trends that you had seen out here at CES or uh, just anything in general that you would like our listeners to know about CES? Yeah, for the record, I'd like to say that the royal folding screens are also a repeat from 2019 CES. So <laughs> that's uh, that's I'm actually still on Chad's that's that, that's fine. That's fine if you want to just jump to assumptions because if you notice, I didn't talk about a folding display. I talked about a wrapping flexible display that was wrapped around right. something. Flexible display, but that was the, that particular product was not. Uh, here last year <laughs> because well, uh, due to my frustration with a lot of things, I actually fact-checked that one. So we, we ran that one through... Uh, he through, ran that one through Richard. We ran that one. Richard, will you confirm that for me as 
And if it's not, you'll confirm it for me. <laughs> Thank you. This is a Richard. You know, it's it's our standard. Uh, Richard, Richard, this Richard is something Richard's I, got me. This is something I learned today. A CLM. That's right. <laughs> What's a CLM? A career limiting move. <laughs> well, on uh, on that bombshell, Ben and Chad, thank you so much for coming on Floor Nine. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you back in New York. You got it. Thanks. <laughs> you, you sure and in, will, in, in, ben, in, in Ben's case, maybe. <laughs> Right, the next duo is up. Ryan and Josh. Hello. Welcome to Floor Nine Live at CES. How are you feeling after a week of uh, working nonstop? Well, I just woke up from a two-hour nap, so I'm I'm feeling quite refreshed right oh, now. All right, so you're not gonna take one during <laughs> dinner. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm feeling more energized than when we got here, so all's good over here. That's great. Um, so we've been asking everybody this: uh, What was your favorite thing or two that you've seen this year at CES? Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, sure, I'd say there are two things. I think the first thing overall, I felt like there was a lot of technology that was geared towards uh, really solving issues that consumers uh, are facing. Um, one of the things that really caught my eye in uh, Eureka Park uh, and a couple of other places too, but was a, a company called LexiLife, which had uh, created a dyslexic reading lamp to help people uh, with dyslexia uh, be able to read based off of um, sort of the, the casting of the light and, and how that can help change the dominant eyes for uh, folks with, with folks with dyslexia. And just all of the tech that we saw that was geared towards elderly care, and we know that obviously a lot of the uh, Gen X population is uh, quickly going to be in retirement age and getting into those stages where technology can actually provide a lot of benefits. Uh, so overall, I was, I was pretty impressed with that. Uh, and the other thing that uh, I really liked was a company called Eat My Ride, which was down in the Netherlands, which uh, told you how much, when, and what to eat prior to, during, and after your workouts. So as a big cyclist, um, that's a pretty convenient uh, tech that I want to get my hands on. Right on. Uh, Ryan. How about yourself? What was one of the things that really stood out to you on the show floor this year? So mine are definitely a lot less profound than LexiLife, per se. Uh, one of them <laughs> is definitely GJS Robots, which if you remember Rock'em Sock'em Robots from your childhood, this is pretty much the much upgraded version. Basically, they work on, I wouldn't call it marionette, but puppeteer type controls would give you a little bit more of an extension, like you feel like you're actually activating the robot, maybe like those old Gundam fighters that you used to see on Toonami where he runs. Yep. So that was definitely one of my favorites. Um, the other definitely would have an impact on society, but definitely, again, less profound perspective. <laughs> this one comes out of French tech. It's called ST37. And what they've done is they've developed computer vision to help assist sports refereeing. And as someone who's... Oh, suffered quite immensely from some bad refereeing <laughs> decisions over the course of my lifetime and feel um, much maligned by the current system. This is something that I think could have a huge impact on my mental health and sanity going forward. So really hoping <laughs> that moves out of Eureka Park and to the upper level of the sands next year. Fantastic. So Ryan, we've had... Um a few pros already on the podcast, you know, veterans of CES and Josh here as well. Uh, as your first year at CES, um, what what was the overall experience like? How did how did you feel about it? What did you learn? 
Well, I would say Vegas is definitely an appropriate setting for CES. I mean, this is probably the stimuli capital of the world. And when you walk into Eureka Park for the first time or pretty much any of the exhibits, it's just cranes whizzing past you, people on scooter devices that you're thinking like, is this actually a form factor on the new micro mobility or is this just some guy in a cart with a big box speeding at me? Um, <laughs> so it's definitely a lot to take in at first. And I mean, the learning opportunity is absolutely immense. There's so many technologies that I'm not well-versed enough on and I would like to know more about, mostly because I just found out about them in the last four days. So I would say that if you have the opportunity to get out to CES and maybe you aren't a jaded 24-year veteran where everything <laughs> looks exactly the same as it did the previous year, uh, that might have been a career limiting <laughs> move. So I'm actually going to stop talking. This now. will be his la first and last, last podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all in all honesty, if this is your first time out to CES, obviously everything seems new and exciting to you. So mm -hmm. um, I would just say if you do have the opportunity to make it out here, it is a great experience. So maybe there are less profound innovations coming out of this year's show than in years past. But regardless, it's definitely an entertaining time. And I think there's a lot of valuable information to take away, both for brands and both at the personal level. Absolutely. So uh, as we are closing out our week here, you know, Josh, I'll toss this question to you. Um, you know, what were some of the biggest surprises of the show? You know, what were some, in, in your opinion, what did you not expect that got announced that, you know, like that actually happened here? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think two things. One, which uh, you know, part of our job when we come here is about trying to find the stories that don't make the headlines. Um, but one of the ones that, <clears throat> excuse me, we learned while being out here was the CEA's decision to actually ban booth babes. Um, and I actually brought that up on all my tours because I really thought that was a notable thing as an industry for them to take that position. Uh, so for those that aren't familiar, the CEA made the decision that um, exhibitors could not use booth babes to attract people into their exhibits. And if they did, they were um, suspended uh, for future years and were also receiving a pretty hefty fine. Uh, so I actually felt like that was a um, one. It helped with co the congestion flow and, and flow of people on the show floor, uh, but just also making I think a really great stance. Uh, and I said before, I just think the use of the use of technology to really be geared towards solving um, issues that consumers are facing. We saw a lot of the um, air pollution. Um, sort of water filtration, all of these things that have really practical use cases and really can make uh, better living circumstances. I was surprised to see the volume of that across every uh, aspect of the uh, of the whole uh, show, whether mm -hmm. it was at the LVCC, the Sands Upper, as well as Eureka Park. Absolutely. Ryan? I think accessibility is a huge play. And I think that regardless of what sector you were covering the show floor, we're trying to bring all of this innovation directly to the home, directly to the consumer and make everything a lot more available. Um, everyone also keeps bringing up the Sony car when we're talking about things yeah. that they didn't expect. Um, for me, I didn't expect them to really release any new information about their new gaming platform at CES, but they did, believe it or not. And Let's just say PS5's logo is underwhelming. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was definitely a surprise coming out of CS too. Uh, so coming out of the show, what were some of the, like like the narratives, the storylines, uh, and like, the overall trends uh, that you have seen uh, that you know we should be thinking about uh, in 2020? I would say in terms of storylines that really connected with me, it would be the consumerization of healthcare in general. Um, I think we saw a lot of innovative devices. One of my favorites was definitely GluTrack which introduced a 
prickless experience for those with diabetes. And if you have diabetes or know somebody with diabetes, that has been the major pain point in the process, especially when it comes to testing and treatment for pretty much the duration of its existence. Um, Right next to it was Hypervine, which brought MRI to the much smaller scale and made it a lot more affordable and accessible. And there's just really no shortage of devices that they were really bringing to improve the consumer experience holistically. Um, another thing I would definitely point out, just as a huge geek, is I saw a lot of great play tech this year. Mm-hmm. Kind of as I was weaving through Sands Upper and even in Eureka Park for some of the more long shots, there was definitely a change in the form factor of the devices that people were using to control their digital avatars or in or out of game experiences. So just as someone who really likes to indulge in gaming in their spare time, everything from board to video games, uh, that was really interesting for me. Did you get to check out the, uh, there was a panel here? I, I heard about it, play. I think. I heard the moderator was pretty, pretty spotty, honestly. Yeah, yeah. The moderator's presentation right. was the good. The open keynote on that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say enough about that keynote. Um, yeah, Thanks, so, Scott. The one other thing that, that I wanted to add to, which I thought was interesting, was um, I think that we, we've talked a little bit um, previously around things like vanishing tech or ambient computing and, and things of that nature. And I think we were starting to see, you know, over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of Alexa being plastered everywhere and voice being kind of the the trigger for consumers to unlock different kinds of experiences in the home and, and in the automobile and things of that nature. Uh, and this year, we started to see a lot more of just the sort of mere presence of an individual being in a room and then different, and that sort of sign- signaling the environment to change and cater to uh, that particular individual. Yeah, I Which think I we saw cool. a lot of smart home devices actually mm-hmm. cater to the specific data they were gathering, either it be computer vision or however else they were collecting it. But in the higher exhibit, I think they took over GE appliances, if I'm correct. They actually introduced something called Shift, where based on presence detection of who was in the room, they would nip- manipulate the configuration of the kitchen in order to accommodate that user specifically. So, I mean, that was just really one example, but I think we were seeing the wider employment of those kinds of technologies in order to improve a lot of different sectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then to your point with the higher Panasonic was also there with their presence detection, you know, actually like changing the room environment uh, based off of your biometrics, which is, you know, pretty impressive. Um, and no I, more thinking for anybody. No more thinking for anybody. <laughs> I mean, but that, that's the ideal state, you know, for this like kind of smart home technology uh, is that you don't have to say anything. You just kind of like be your present and things kind of like react around you, um, which is a super fascinating concept. And I, you know, makes me want to have a house, but uh, I, I guess, what a, you know, an apartment will do. Much easier to set up that way. You can change least. that at the craps table later. Change that outcome. Not based off my past three years of gambling experience. Um, far, far from it. <laughs> um, so, was there anything missing from the show this year that you guys were expecting to see? You know, obviously, we started a lot of prep. Uh, you know, back in October, and we kind of worked our way up, and then you know, we got here Saturday. Uh, so, were there any narratives? Were there any you know pieces of technology? Anything that you thought was going to be here um, that actually wasn't as present as you thought it was going to be? I actually thought that the sort of the gaming space would have probably been a little bit deeper. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more exhibits and players uh, in that space. I know we saw some things. Um, I know a couple of years ago, Turner had a massive kind of esports um, sort of setup. Um, 
So I think for me, that kind of stood out just given the growth that that's had for younger audiences in terms of driving viewership and attention. Ryan, what about yourself? I'll give the boring answer since I'm a noob and it was really the only trend I was able to identify given my limited experience and it's just the lack of 5G in general. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Ben and Chad, Adam and Christina all brought it up previously and the major telecom companies were nowhere to be found, which I thought was extremely interesting. Obviously, Korea Tech, as we talked about previously Mm -hmm. and spoke extensively about on our tours, 77% of the world's 5G users actually reside in South Korea. So they had a really nice build out and a lot of great innovations and startups surrounding the 5G ecosystem. But aside from that, I was a little bit disappointed in terms of uh, what there was in terms of 5G devices and associated electronics. 5G. Uh, if anybody works at any of the major telecom companies, uh, come talk to us. We're calling uh, you we're out. We're calling you out. Um, but not on 5G. But not on 5G. We've got to use our LTE phones. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're on AT- AT&T, you have your 5GE. Uh, or, or in my case, I think I'm still on 3G. <laughs> 3G gives us AT&T. Um, well, great. So, again, we've been kind of, you know, talking to everybody about this, but, you know, as we start to head back to our respective, uh, you know, office buildings and, you know, our lives outside of Vegas, um, you know, how, how can our clients and our, you know, coworkers and teams be thinking about how everything like they learned and everything that inspired them, how can they bring that back to um, their daily lives and uh, their planning and their work that is going to be going into 2020? Uh, They can hire us for consulting projects so that we can strategically help them make the right decisions and navigate. (laughs) I was going to say that. Always be selling. (laughs) Peace out, Fortnite Podcast! (laughs) Um, Also, if people play Fortnite, that'd be great, too. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Ryan, Josh, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast live from CES. Uh, everybody else, we have our Outlook coming out at the end of the month. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, and as Josh said, uh, we are here uh, and we're ready to help uh, in 2020. So uh, thank you and we'll talk soon. Thank you.